0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of Accountable Arizona Election 2022. Today's episode features Lisa Sun. Lisa Sun was the first person that I talked to for this podcast. She agreed to speak with me off a cold call of an email and from moment one I could tell that Lisa Sun is a woman who walks the walk as well as eloquently talking the talk as you'll see in our episode. She showed up with a petition for save our schools just so I could sign. If you live in LD22, consider yourself as lucky to have yourself a candidate as authentic as Lisa Sun. Do what you can to help get her elected.
1: Right.
0: And What are you running for?
1: I am running for the State House of Representatives for our district LD22.
0: And where are you from originally and what brought you to Arizona?
1: my uh, ethnicity is chinese and i was born in south korea i came to the states in 1977. i don't want to date myself (laughs) and i uh been here you know ever since and i have a 16 year old son that was born and raised here in ld22 so this is the only home he knows yeah that's awesome
0: why do you love arizona what makes you want to serve arizona
1: It's funny when people ask me like, why do you want to go into public servant? And my answer is that wasn't my original plan. I think when someone goes through a lot of anecdotal experiences of injustice, you come to a place where you have to realize that the laws and the rules and the statutes are written against us. And once you find out that is the case, what better than the actual person that has the anecdotal living experiences to run for public office because your experiences is no different from anybody else, particularly in marginalized communities, which I found out as well. Because
0: I, I was reading a few just interviews you've given in or uh, articles, and you really started kind of in the public or political space after the shootings in Georgia, correct, the spa, and held a, a vigil yeah, at the Capitol, right? Correct. And did you have any kind of organizing experience before that, or was it just kind of you felt the call to organize it for your community?
1: I think at the time, the need was so great. The AAPI community uh, rose up along with the visual that people wanted to participate. And when they wanted to participate, I saw the opportunity to galvanize, to lead, and have the event. I was the only person that had the overall umbrella perspective. We had extraordinary volunteers that took subcategories and just took it to a whole new level. And my job was, within such a short period of time, is to fill in the areas that they couldn't do or couldn't find or couldn't find the resource. Whatever the case, it was my job to find the solutions for them so that they can continue to move into that space where they brought the whole event together. So it wasn't like a one-person show, it was a community coming together. And I was trying to emphasize to everybody is that this is what happens when we all come together for the same cause that serves humanity, especially when our community was in pain, in a lot of pain, something that's been oppressed Decades after decades after decades after decades, since the the Chinese exclusion act. We've been so silent. And it was just an opportunity that we all seized in that moment, which was really, really beautiful and which yeah. I'll never forget. Yeah,
0: powerful. That was one thing when I started going through, started trying to plan the recall, you realized how much Spirit, there is in the community that might just not be being reached or to understand where they need to go. And so I think that's one of the big reasons I want to talk directly to you and everyone who champions kind of how we have to, in order to get things done, we'll have to use community um, and empowering everyone. And that we've touched on a little bit, but if you'd want to expand on kind of the communities you see yourself most in or most important to you in Arizona.
1: I think myself being an AAPI, we are a person of color. Being a person of color, we have been projected to be the dominant ethnicity group within the next 50 years. Something I'm very very proud of, but also take it very seriously to understand that when we reach a cohesive uh, cultural you know, um, overlay uh, collaboration, we can get things done in politics and policy making for community wealth. All that can be pulled together when people of color, particularly that's been marginalized laws written against them, can flourish. And that is something that each individual had to make that decision to either collaborate, to come together, or become a great leader. And the definition of a great leader is to find other great leaders. As easy as that sounds, not everybody can come forward with that kind of a magnitude and expectation. So therefore, that job to find other great leaders is almost a needle in the haystack. And what I always tell people is that the more of us look for and come together to support, the better numbers, um, possibilities, outcome. Because when we don't turn that coalition machine going and push for great leaders, it just becomes stagnant and we delay prosperity, we delay liberty, we delay
0: equity. Great, we we'll just always, wait, Ooh, wait, it's like throw my pen <laughs> So if elected, How do you, what are some of the ways you would like to use your position of power to build community? First of all, the position
1: of power is a borrowed, limited subscription. It comes from the membership of your constituents. They hold the power, always. They always have it and they always will. As an elected public servant, it's my job to be their puppeteer. According to the Arizona Constitution, it's my job to relay representation from my community to the state capitol and vice versa. And that is the very foremost job description that a lot of elected officials have failed to do because sometimes
0: corruption looks as simple as silence. Agreed. And double agree on, as a public or private citizen voter, I don't feel like we see that reach out from the other side of just it's sometimes really hard to get in touch with your elected representative even at just a district or county um, level so i really appreciate you starting with that and that being your mission what do you think the best way is for voters to hold their politicians accountable what would be your if since we see in arizona a lot there is this wall between elected officials and private citizens, what do you think are some of the ways people can break down those walls?
1: I I think it's almost like which one comes first, the egg or the chicken? And in reality, as a public servant, we need to take the initiative. We do need to reach out to the private citizens because that's what we're paid to do and elected to do. Now, as far as the private uh, you know citizens and the constituents, their job is actually to vote, but not only know how to vote, because you can give a key uh, to a person to drive. But if you don't teach them how to drive, it's catastrophe. Just as our voting, there's power to it. If you know how to vote. And one of the biggest things about our constituents, especially particularly in the West Valley of Phoenix, in uh, Maricopa County is that we have the lowest, lowest border turnout If you because we're a blue district. Because we're so safe, they didn't think their vote matters. In reality, it affects statewide, countywide, local, districtwide, even small townwide. Whereas if you look at a red state, they vote over 90%. We vote. Around 50%. Yeah. So if you tally those votes statewide, countywide, localwide, townwide, municipality wide, we get voted out every single time. And we have elected officials that are in a safe blue district, don't want the voters turn out right. because they're afraid to lose power. You will require them to canvass more to campaign harder and to work harder. Heavens forbid. Yeah. Heavens forbid. I know. It's hard. But the reality of it is that these simple information as an elected official, public servant, it's their duty to let them know that when you don't vote and you're a registered voter and we're being outnumbered by the Republican voters. Right. Who do we really blame? All of us. Yeah, We've got to do this together. Great Good leaders great. find other great leaders. leaders. Sometimes I can come in groups.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think a big part of that is also having those conversations with people who've maybe previously been disenfranchised from voting and saying, like, I know, because I'm always very um, upfront of I don't think voting can solve all of our state's problems, unfortunately. Yeah. There's so many ones that are built in, um, as you said, to oppress people. But one of the reasons I wanted to do this project is to bring attention to how many awesome people we have running at the local level. And you have that ability to connect with them and say, hey, what's going on? Uh, Why did this happen? I don't understand. Um, But yeah, I think that's a great point of it's on all of us to find leaders and get them to where they need to be. Exactly, uh, uh, I'm gonna do my very best. Yeah, who, um, aside from your, or what are you excited is on uh, the ballot for Arizona this, in November?
1: I think my frontline favorite would be Julie Donegal for the Maricopa County Attorney General Office, not just for me as a district, uh, State House of Representatives, you know, elect, yeah is that whatever I do in my district will have the biggest impact with my local races and the Maricopa County races. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm going to push down the ballot, but my biggest impact as a constituent, as a community, and of course as an individual running in the general election, the biggest impact I can make is the Maricopa County races and the local races. Just because you get the maximum reach within your district. I mean, it's almost impossible for me to go to somebody else's district, obviously. Right. But if I can uh, you know, take care of my home, my backyard, I will contribute in the whole pot of the 30 districts statewide right. to pull the Democrats down the ballot. Yes. And I'm gonna do my best here in LD22 for now till November the 8th.
0: Yep, that's it's coming up fast. Yeah, I'm down for it. Yeah. Who, Are you also running, did I see for school board as well? Yes, I am. When's that election? Is it November the
1: 8th, it's simultaneously. So, although people say, oh, you know, you can relax now, you finish your (laughs) primary. I didn't even skip a beat. The moment the ballots came out, my attention switched to the uh, Fowler Elementary School Board District because we have incumbents that have been there for decades and nothing has changed. Our money flow there is very, very weak. It's kind of like in a very, you know, status quo, and we do need more representation, a different perspective, and with my background, with anecdotal experiences, with my son going to a charter school and a private school and then back to a Title One school and public district schools, I know the spectrum of these education institutions and where it's harmful and where it's beneficial, and I'm trying to convey that to the community. We don't shame parents for going to a charter school. We don't shame parents for their choices. School choice is a is a uh, human right, but when it's being privatized and being used as corruption and to create backdoor dealings that undermines the all-inclusiveness of the Arizona Constitution of a free, quality education, I say
0: nay. Yeah. And you said there, the income, income who had, sorry, struggled with word. they've held their positions for decades? Uh,
1: or co- uh, collectively, and also wow. we're the only elementary school district board members that only has three members, and that's something I would like to change and broaden it up to five, like the rest of the community, because when you have less board members, there's less voices, less representation, and less delegated work, right. which is redundant if you keep it so So, change is extremely needed for the Fowler Elementary School District.
0: We know Arizona public education is at risk, so we are, I'm glad we're able to get some more of that information and help people understand just how critical, so I think that's one of the issues with politics or kind of elections is not understanding how close to home these races run, like your school board has is going to directly impact your child's education experience. Yeah, um, it does. And that's an yeah, important. and their race, psyche too, right? And mm-hmm. they don't. We don't put enough importance on. Yeah. These, especially yeah. school board. Uh, exactly. Races. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: our children is our community's future. Yes. And this was kind of the final question I had written down, but we can uh, keep sure. see where we go from yeah. there. So Arizona does have unfortunately a long history of white supremacy Um, and it seems to be bubbling as we look at our options governor and really down the ballot how do we fight these systemic issues both as an elected official and and as fellow arizonans who might not be elected to office but want to help Arizona become better?
1: The white supremacy laws, that is the result of, don't quote me on the years, but over 60 years of Republican rule. So if there's anything that is broken, we can thank the Republican Party. But the reality tells us that change is always good for any situation. I think it's time for the Republican Party to truly step up. In order for it to really step up, we need to change, transform from the inside. The Democratic Party has to transform for a better cause that streamlines community wealth. We have to scream and we have to uh, you know, uh, spew community wealth as a party because patriotism is inclusivity it's equity, it's transparency, it's accountability. That's patriot, uh, patriotism. And you know, with white supremacy, with their nationalist you know, um, uh, you know, verbatim, there's too many exclusion. It's the contradiction. It is in opposition to the Constitution of the United States of America, as well as the Arizona Constitution, which is a subset within the Constitution. So therefore,
0: I say nay again. Yeah be better. Would you like voters to know, like, is there anything, direct message to them, to our listeners? I'd like to thank the voters,
1: you know, for those that voted for me. Being a non-Latino winning position in a vastly most dominant, the second most dominant uh, Hispanic community, they were giving uh, generous, kind, compassionate when i was at their door and they truly believed in me as i will believe in them and therefore i will represent for the humanity and for the well of our community which they've warmly embraced my son because he was born and raised here this is all he knows and he loves it here and this is going to be in his psyche for the rest of his life And if if it's in the Hispanic predominantly community with the largest African-American population in Avondale, which also resides in LD22, I say thank you. And I can't
0: wait. I can't wait to serve our community. It's going to be a lot of fun. And bring all those communities together to better, yeah. Well, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed our episode with lisa sun she definitely puts the sun in our sunshine state please make sure if you live in ld 22 and or flower elementary school district that you're voting for lisa her website is linked on our website stay accountable arizona thank you to local artist junk Dior for our intro and outro music all of your days